You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up on this final day of the month of August. Caleb Johnson here with Joe Patrick. Joe, how's it going? good it's good to be back with you Caleb after we missed last week which was totally my fault we had some technical issues but uh glad to be back you know last week we all we had to talk about was you know an incredible winning streak you know the this team had won nine games or whatever it was on the road so I'm wondering maybe it was a good thing we didn't like just hype up the team all you know on a <laughs> podcast last week that might ne- uh, precip- you know come before a downfall if uh, <laughs> the trend of the pod um you know if that if that trend continued but yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for the Braves here because we've got this West Coast road trip obviously going on. That's going to be you know tough to navigate. I think the Phillies might be starting to catch up a little bit because they've got an easier schedule coming up. So uh, it's kind of getting down to the nitty gritty. You know, we were just talking before we started the show that this it's weird. The baseball season's almost over. One more month. You can only you can pretty much count down the series uh, left on you know just recall them at the top of your head. So it's uh, it's about that time. Things are going to get really really interesting over the next month. Yeah, we've literally got 16 games left. If I did the counting right on the Braves' remaining schedule, or excuse me, 32 games uh, left in this season, and if I did the counting correct, it looks like those are split evenly across uh, road and home games for the Braves. So it's kind of one of those, I feel like every time the last few weeks that we've come to talk, we felt like we had a clear direction as to where the rest of the season was going. And then we talk a week later and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, and and that could be positive or negative where you're just kind of you have this idea of, uh, you know, I don't really know. I know. The one thing I will say is I looked at this series of games that the Braves are currently in right now. I knew we had talked about this, I think, three or four weeks ago, maybe that look, the Braves They're going to get some home games against the Yankees, against the Giants. Then they're going to go on the road and face the Dodgers. This is a stretch of games that I had previously said, not that concerned about. Win or lose, I I don't really care either way because I don't think it's going to negatively or necessarily positively impact the Braves season. However, I think I was wrong in that... It will definitely, it has definitely positively impacted the Braves season. Uh, just from the aspect of, I anticipated the, the Yankees' losses. Because uh, mm-hmm. there, there's this strange thing that seems to be happening the last few years with the Braves and the Yankees, where Atlanta goes to New York and beats them, and New York comes to Atlanta and beats them. Like, it's just, yeah, that's right. it seems yep. like, yeah, it seems like if you look back at their records recently, that's typically what's happened. And then the Giants series, it was like, look, even a few weeks back, 
the Giants are the best team in baseball. You just kind of anticipated that was going to be a lost series, but I wasn't going to overreact to it. And then they win the series. Win the damn series. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and in and a, and a pretty impressive way, especially to finish it out on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like maybe those games mattered more than I thought, especially when you have the this remaining Dodgers series um, that could impact things as, as far as where the Braves lie uh, at the top of the National League East. Uh, and then some really interesting road trips before they finish out the year. So, uh, you know, it's one of those, I don't know where to take this team still at this very moment, other than this is about to get uh, really interesting. And I don't know, I don't think, at least in my opinion, I don't think the Braves are going to dominate the rest of the way. And mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to fall apart the rest of the way. Like, it's just going to continue to be this maybe three games above Philly to six games above Philly. And however that goes back and forth, it just seems like it's uh, it'll be entertaining for everybody. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the uh, what the final standings will look like or like how many wins it's going to take to win this division, yeah. um, you know, this NLEs. Because the Phillies are only at 67 wins right now. The Mets are at 63. It would almost seem impossible for the Mets to get themselves back in this thing. And, and given the, the fact that they're seven games out, I think that that's pretty safe to say at this point. Seven games out and trending just completely downward well, in every single possible respect. I was just about to say, can we talk about the New York Mets yeah, for just a second? We just have because to. We have to. I was about to say, everyone, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you've seen the story that came out this past week where, um, and it's so funny too, it's the newly acquired Mets players are angry <laughs> with Mets fans because they've been booed from very poor performances uh, for, you know, I mean, they, they to call it a collapse is to be very kind to what has yeah. happened with the Mets and Javier Baez and um, who else was it? Uh, Francisco Lindor uh, have gone about whenever they score run or whenever they have a big play, you know, a double, of the triple. Chop. Yeah. 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 Instead of a chop or anything like they are giving the crowd a <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> To tell the fans, hey, you know what? You don't get to enjoy this excitement. And I just would like to know um, who approved this. Like, like who who in this clubhouse? Because Pete Alonso is in this clubhouse. And he's the one that really stuck out of my head. Who He's been here a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, did no one speak up and be like, guys, don't think this is going to turn out how you think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it just goes to show that the lack of clubhouse leadership clubhouse cohesion you know maybe you have certain group clicks of players in the in the clubhouse who come up with these things i don't know but you know it's it's it yeah i i think that's the case just in general you know like like you definitely are gonna get clicks in a clubhouse uh and especially newer guys might fit in with each other versus the guys who already have established relationships i mean i think of just like no doubt this is just like, you know, high school. Like if you, mm-hmm. I, I was a, I was a person who, uh, in middle school, I transferred in to my middle school and, you know, a lot of people already had these established relationships and I was able to make some relationships, but it took some time and I did acclimate myself with a couple of other people who were newer 
to that school uh, than the yeah. people who had who had lived in the area their entire life kind of thing. Like, that's just... You're that going through something similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, totally, totally. I, that makes sense. However, it just... Yeah, to, for you to talk about the, the lack of leadership, I think that's what it is there. For the first time that happens, if I'm a leader in, in that on that team and I thought that Pete Alonso was, I'm immediately being like, this is not something we're doing, guys. Um, there also is an added, added awkward layer um of of um how do i put it of of just like um like background and familiarity and like culturally mm-hmm. like where oh, you're from kind of language thing. yeah 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 um that i it makes sense that lindor and baez are kind of in this together um but it is, it is just one of those things that i can't believe we got to a point of publicly and and not being embarrassed at all by it but being proud of the fact Javier Baez and, and Francisco Lindor being the two main ones at least that I know of who are who are excited to be like oh yeah we're giving the city a thumbs down <laughs> that's really going to acclimate us well with the city and Dude, the I, I wish so bad the Braves were playing at home during this since this has happened because I would love nothing more than for like some Braves player to like hit a home run and just like have their thumbs up like yeah. while they're like right like yeah. while they're running to home play <laughs> that would just be incredible and I don't know if anybody's done that in baseball yet but that would just be the ultimate way to take the piss out of the Mets but um you know it's funny that this came up because I was actually just happened to see the famous Adeni Echevarria interview that's that's a right. couple, a couple days ago yeah. where he thanked God for removing him from the Mets and placing him on the Braves. <laughs> and I watched the whole thing and it was it was interesting. Obviously, that's the quote that kind of takes the cake and, you know, gets clipped sure. into the little short piece. But if you listen to the whole interview, he specifically talks about the culture, the Latino culture in the Braves clubhouse being amazing. Uh, but I think that one of the reasons why you don't see these issues happen with the Braves is because they have that really good leadership in the clubhouse. When I'm talking about the leadership, I'm talking about players that are able to um, still like you still have every clubhouse in baseball in many sports are going to have their little clicks, people who are friends for the yeah. reasons that you already laid out. But the leaders are the ones who can actually kind of like go between groups and make sure that everybody's connected all the time and that, you know, people feel represented and spoken for and all that stuff. And and that nobody kind of feels like they're, you know, out on the, on the edge and, of the wider team. And it doesn't have to be in a policing way. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I know like one that comes to mind and is a guy who was a favorite of mine, but I saw instances of him in the brave clubhouse kind of being more of a, a cop than a teammate. Uh, it's like a guy like Brian McCann who, you know, was kind of setting the way of like, Oh, this is how we're going mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the interesting thing about, to your point about what the Braves have kind of built with their, their clubhouse dynamic is I don't feel there's a cop. Like there's not anyone on there who is like, this is how we're going to act kind of thing. Um, but more of a, and, and I would see Freddie as kind of that leader who yeah. is like a, uh, and Dansby as well. Um, Cause I think, you know, Dansby was even one when fans threw trash out onto the field. Cause they didn't like, um, you know, how game was being officiated. He was kind of like, Hey, this is not what we're doing. This is not what we're about. Uh, And I think that gets accepted a lot better when you respect a guy um, and it doesn't feel like a demanding sort of thing. And so, yeah, I, I, 
Yeah. I do like what the Braves have built, um, and clearly the Mets don't have that, and so we just kind of get to enjoy as they um, implode. <laughs> yeah, the I rest mean, of the it's, way. it's it's one of those topics where uh, it's funny. I don't even know if we plan to talk about this, but it's no, one of those topics no, I where so. I think. Um, you know, it's easy to brush these things aside, like these kinds of yeah. social and cultural aspects of sports and specifically in baseball, especially in like modern professional baseball, where you have so many different nationalities uh, within certain clubhouses. Uh, it's easy to brush that stuff aside and say it's not important. What we need to focus on is their numbers at the plate, you know, their 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 BABIP, their, you know, their their WRC plus all these things. Uh, and certainly those are like the way that you measure performance, no doubt. But I do think that there is, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that gets underappreciated. And I think that what the Braves have been so good about through this run that they've had since they started winning this division in 2018 is just having that consistency, that leadership from both players and managers. I don't know if you saw it, Caleb, or read the article, but there was a, a article, a long form piece done by Sports Illustrated about Brian Snicker um, and his kind of his story in baseball being and and kind of being the manager of this team. I didn't like the way that the story was framed in the headline. It was like something about how like Snickers old school and he's doing it his way or something like that, uh, which Naturally. is not really what the story was about. Like it was just mm -hmm. a bad headline really, because what it was about was about, you know, the way that he's leading this team as a guy who didn't really have a lot of success at the top level and is, been a grinder in the minors pretty much his whole career until he got the job uh and i th i just see that that kind of i think that that's a huge aspect of this braves team is just the, that kind of leadership both in the clubhouse and from brian snicker and so it's i think it's just worth shining a light on the fact that that is a net positive and i know that i i literally saw some high profile uh braves fans slash internet pundits uh recently saying that brian snicker is a net negative because of how he manages the bullpen and i just don't see it that way Way whatsoever i do think that there are legitimate issues and disagreements you might have with brian snicker over uh the way he manages the bullpen but i think overall you just couldn't ask for you know a better manager that's going to keep a team playing at a consistent level and i think that that's shown uh in evidence over the last few years well to to that point i just i'm want to ask you straight up what have you thought of the braves bullpen as of recent well, they've been really good as a whole uh, since the trade deadline. I think they're top five in the NL in ERA, bullpen ERA, which, you know, you can say whatever, whether that's yeah, a legitimate gotcha. measurement or not. But I think that that shows that they really have improved since especially the foreign substance issue really seemed to get a couple guys. Um, Matt Six seemed to have some need some time kind of getting adjusted to that. Uh, same with Chris Martin. But Chris Martin's looking much, much better than he was earlier this season, too, which is a huge bonus for the Braves. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at the bullpen, there's just a couple glaring issues. One is less important. It's Josh Tomlin still, you know, in this bullpen and still a guy who you literally never want to see come into a baseball game. It doesn't matter well, if the Braves are winning or losing by 10 runs. You don't want to see it. And I was just about to say, and he's a guy who somehow made it through a, a, some transaction moves just a couple of days yeah. ago yeah. where, I mean... I, for one, did not expect to see Edgar Santana go down to Gwinnett. I thought that was a Josh Tomlin move. Uh, and for some reason, he was still held on to there. Like that, I mean, those are the moves that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Es what, are you, es what are you doing? Especially when he is kind of a, the, supposed to be like the long reliever type and the Braves have like a, a what is right now a six man rotation where they have too many arms for the amounts of guys who can who want, they want to throw long innings. 
I still think that that will change by the time we get later in the season or, or going into the postseason rosters. Uh, I just cannot imagine that Josh Tom will be on there. But that's one of the issues, obviously, with the Braves bullpen. The other one, clearly, the one that gets a lot more attention is Will Smith. Um, and I think that there are, you know... It's really tough. It's really tough because Brian Snicker has clearly shown himself to be a manager who's going to like stick by his guy. You know, he's been Will Smith has been the closer and he will at this point clearly continue to be the closer. But, you know, I have kind of the same feeling with Will Smith as I do with Drew Smiley, which is that it's never comfortable, even when they seem to be pitching well, uh, even when they seem to be in good form. They've had, you know, a couple outing previous good outings in a row. Any given pitch can be hit out for a homer, you know, and then like, of course, that's the case with anybody, right? Like just technically speaking, but it really just really feels like when those guys are pitching and their stats show it, you know, those guys give up home runs at a rate higher than pretty much anybody else on the Braves roster. I think actually Santana and Tomlin are the other two top ones. I think that those are the top four on the Braves roster in terms of uh, their home run rate allowed. Uh, and that's just a, not a good feeling to have when he is trying to close out a game. And when one of those home runs comes off against him, that can very easily swing the results, you know, and he's in a position where his literal job is to be to close that result down and not have it change. So, you know, I, I understand the the issues that people have with it. And, you know, you could say, well, put throw Tyler Matzik in that role. He's pitching much better right now. He's your best reliever, but um, I don't know. Like I would kind of agree with that sentiment. If I was playing a the show, I would probably would make that little switch and just throw Tyler Matzik in there in the closing position. But I don't know. Brian Snicker seems to be really good at managing these dynamics. What do you What do you think about? I it? I think I overreacted on this two weeks ago, where I where I said, you know, hey, or maybe three weeks ago, where it was like, hey, this is the time to make a move. I think after they acquired Rodriguez. That was the time that I thought, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the time you slide Rodriguez in there and kind of get this thing going. However, I saw Braves Twitter overreact a couple nights ago. I'm trying to think what what game it was. Uh, was it was it the first Giants game that he gave up a home run to the first batter? Yeah. Uh, and I and and then yeah, and then he followed it. By getting the save. And I literally, Joe, I literally saw someone tweet, I don't care about the fact that Will Smith got the save. I'm tired of him being in there giving up home runs. And I, like, my head wanted to explode because I was like, okay, this is the absurdity that I think I slowly started to buy into. And in turn, the reality is, and what Brian Snicker will tell you is, He's converted 29 of 33 save opportunities. Okay, I we are all aware of, you know, Mark Melanson has has pitched better this year for the Padres. That's great. He's not on this team. Like that's I keep seeing that comparison of like, well, you know, if we had a Mark Melanson, you know, things look like okay, that's great. I get it. He's not on this team. Uh, you know what? Ronald Acuña isn't on this team. Uh like there's Go down the list of guys that you could say are not on this team and we're dealing with who we have. He's getting the saves. And so I just don't think it's that big of an issue. Now, now, granted, every time Will Smith goes out there, you know, I, I, I tighten up, you know, I, uh, you know, I start to clinch and I'm yep, very uncomfortable. Like squeaky, um, squeaky, squeaky butt time. Exactly. But... <laughs> He's getting the saves, and that can't be said. And I and I think this is the difference because you you compared him to Drew Smiley, uh, and I think there's a problem where Will Smith, you clench up and you get real nervous, and more times than not, twenty nine 
times out of 33 opportunities. He gets it done. Drew Smiley, as of recent, is not doing the same uh, and is more so relying on his team to kind of pull him out of some really bad situations where he's given up seven home runs in his last two starts. Like, that is not good. Not good. Not, <laughs> not good to uh, say the it's, least. Uh, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so that, I think so to transition into, you know, getting on to, to the Drew Smiley thing of, mm-hmm. of as you and I, Joe, were just talking about before we started the podcast of Drew Smiley was a guy preseason. I said, not going to be on this team come September. And then it was like, well, clearly I am wrong because all through the summer, I looked pretty great. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then as of recent, there have been some massive issues to the point that Brian Snicker is coming out and saying this guy is is exhausted. Like literally, physically, his body is not holding up. Uh, and and Snit was kind of blaming that on the short season last year. And I'm just not buying it in that, um, I mean, am I wrong to be massively concerned that Drew Smiley's body is breaking down at the worst possible opportunity? I mean, I think that there is something to the fact that he is now, you know, he's now thrown more innings than he's thrown since 2016, Uh, you know, because not only did he had the shortened season last year, but in 2019, that was his first season returning from Tommy John that really kept him out pretty much two full years. So it's really been a long time since he's had to had a workload quite like he's had this year. And I do wonder if that because of what they're seeing, he might be a candidate for to have his start skipped or just like get him some extra rest, you know. But the thing is, I don't even know if the extra rest is going to help all that much because he had the extra rest coming into this yeah. last start and still his fastball is sitting at a lower, you know, at a lower velo than it has been earlier this season. And I think that that is probably a bit of a concern. I mean, that's something that is uh, a pretty, you know, a, a red flag, I guess, for, for starting pitchers in general. And it's certainly not trending up for him at this point in the season where, especially in the starting pitching rotation, these guys are competing for a spot to potentially pitch in the playoffs. It certainly doesn't look like Drew Smiley is going to be one of those guys who's essentially going to be like one of your top four starters at this point, especially with the way that some of these other guys are pitching. So it's still going to be essentially a competition for like essentially one spot. Let's assume this team makes the playoffs. Um, essentially one spot between Waskar, you know, Tuki Toussaint and Drew Smiley. And I think right now you got to say Drew Smiley's at the bottom of, of those three in terms of likelihood to, to be in the best form come, you know, a month from now. So can I ask the obvious question of how did, how does, how did we get here? Like, how do we get to a point of you talk about Drew Smiley's making, you know, are, are throwing the most innings since 2016. I mean, the Braves, they have that information. Like they have, the, mm-hmm. the training staff has this information. How how are we getting to a point where we are now in about to enter September and you're not going to have one of your starting rotation pitchers because maybe he threw too many innings? Like, obviously, it's I, I'm just I guess I'm dumbfounded at the. How did this get missed? <laughs> like it wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think a couple things. One is that he did go down with a knee injury earlier this season, so he did miss out on on some That's time right. to, to 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 throw. Uh, you know, when the season first started. So then he's trying to find his form. Obviously, when he kind of returns from that, he was really poor. Um, 
obviously there are a lot of factors that kind of went into that, but then he did start to, you know, get his rhythm. But then when he did find his rhythm midsummer, the Braves really needed him because the, at, yeah. the, at that point, the Braves needed starting pitching. They didn't have to get Dusan at that point. Ian Anderson had gone down and he's kind of in a similar situation where he hasn't pitched kind of this full major league season workload yet in his career. Um, so he's kind of, the Braves are, you know, being obviously very careful with Ian. Um, and, you know, we had Kyle Muller up making starts. Bryce yeah. Wilson was making starts this summer who's now in Pittsburgh so you know I, I it was just tough I think the Braves didn't really have a I don't think any option other than to just keep throw, rolling Smiley out there and of course while he's pitching well um you know it's probably like they're not thinking well we need to be careful uh we need to you know give him rest here and there um because they they needed that production out of him when they were at that point chasing trying to get themselves or keep themselves in contention in this NL East you know it's it's a much different landscape the Braves are in a much much different place now than they were even a month ago you know at the trade deadline they were fighting to to get back in it now they're in in this position where they have the luxury of kind of especially in the starting rotation just kind of choosing who they want but it's kind of unfortunately for smiley that he kind of fell into this situation where his form is really deteriorating now at a point where you need your form to be going up uh to get yourself in contention to to be one of those playoff pitchers yeah, you you mentioned Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, there was something I I sent to you. Uh, Jason Stark actually interviewed Alex Anthopoulos this past week, and I found it interesting. The clip that was kind of going around from that interview was about uh, was about the trade deadline and Alex Anthopoulos saying it was very important the the timing of when he made some deals to the team. He he made some deals like the Jock Peterson deal. He said he made a little bit earlier than he may have anticipated or planned mm-hmm. to because he wanted to show the clubhouse we're not giving up, we're not selling off. I thought that was really interesting in, a, in an added layer to being a general manager that you don't really think about in the fact of we're not just convincing the fan base. Right, like we're right, convincing exactly. the actual guys in the clubhouse to go out there and there's a reason why you want to go get a win is because we're we're going to try to help you. We're going to try to make this team better. I just I don't know that that spoke volumes to me, uh, and just goes on of as we were talking about the the smart moves and the and the really responsible ways that the Braves have kind of put this team together, the irresponsible ways that other teams have done it. That just kind of added on to wow. I'm really glad that <laughs> that Double A is the general manager here in Atlanta because that was. That's the type of stuff you just don't think about. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you that when and we talked about it on this podcast saying talking about but it was from the fans perspective. It was. Yeah. Do you make do you make move to try to get fans to keep coming to the ballpark? So you don't want to give up. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that that's the point we were at uh, instead of now having like a three and a half game <sighs> lead or whatever it is in the division. Our lead has been as many as like five games, I think. So it's just crazy the way that things have swung. And that's what will happen when you go on a you know, go for two weeks and you lose like, you know, two out of 18 games or whatever it was. But um, yeah, I mean, it, you, you got to give Alex Anthopoulos so much credit for what he did at the trade deadline. It's absolutely unbelievable what some of these players are doing, and especially you look at a guy like Jorge Soler. And I remember Alex Anthopoulos said when they acquired him, they were like, you know, these last 10 games, he's picked it up and we think that he will continue to just, you know, we think that he's he's made an adjustment and that he'll that this form will continue with us. And sure enough, Jorge Soler has now hit more home runs since with the Braves in what he's been here a month since he did 
from July 1st, or I'm sorry, from April 1st to July 18th of this year, essentially right before he went on that 10-game run before the Braves traded for him. So absolutely unbelievable. He's it. And if you look at his home run rate in general, it is better than it was when he hit 48 home runs for the Royals a few years ago. So um, what a move that was. Adam Duvall, again, a fan favorite. You bring him back. He starts to produce immediately. He looks like he's going to have 100 RBIs this year. Everybody, it's it's just Richard Rodriguez, perfect fit in the bullpen. Veteran arm, you're going to have him around for a couple more years. Perfect acquisition. It's just, it's like the Midas touch. It's like everything that he's t- he touched this this at this trade deadline has turned to gold. Even a guy like uh, Jock, Jock Peterson, very similar, just has come in, made that huge catch in the Giants game, um, maybe aided by some angels out there and some invisible <laughs> angels in the outfield, potentially. Go. Maybe 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 Alex Anthopoulos made a deal for them as well at the yeah. trade deadline. But uh, no, I mean, it's just... It's unbelievable. And if you look back through, you know, his time as Braves general manager, I feel like he's always been really good at finding these types of acquisitions. Like he doesn't trade for the big names because he feels like he has the core, that strong core already in place. When you look at the Freddie Freeman's, I know not this year, but like Ronald Acuna and, and the play, the pieces that you have on the pitching staff. And he's like, to me, Alex Anthopoulos's specialty is finding those like mid to low tier players who can come in and overperform. The one that always stands out to me was from 2019. Matt Joyce was just like some, yeah. you know, pickup that just happened very quietly at the end of spring training. And then he came in and was like a very important piece, whether it was as a rotation guy in the outfield or off the bench um, for that team and was huge that year. So many of those types of pickups that Alex Anthopoulos has made. And it really helps when you already have a, a core group that the Braves have. And there's the other one, the move he did not make that... Some people really clamored for a year ago uh, and wanted, you know, maybe a struggling third baseman to leave the city in favor Mm. of a really impressive starting pitcher. And now, I mean, is Austin Riley an MVP candidate? I think he's I think he's going to get MVP votes. Okay, I don't know if he's like a top like he's not like a top tier candidate. I don't think. But like, man. (laughs) <laughs> you got to be so freaking happy if you're a Braves fan because yeah. he has absolutely taken the leap in his career, you know, like the quote unquote, the leap um, where he is elevating himself from obviously being just like a, a, a prospect type that had high potential to being, I think, a perennial top tier third baseman, all-star type in the National League and potentially an MVP down the road. I mean, what he's doing this year, I thought that there was a chance that he would hit 30 homers this year. I think I thought the power could really burst out. I thought he would doing it, do it hitting like 240 or 250, you know, like not hitting 300 uh, like he is right now. It's just, it's, uh, it's just so, it's so good. And yeah, to think that everybody was clamoring that for the Braves to trade for Mike Clevenger. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last it was, year. It was um, literally just last year. That's what it, I think that is what's so crazy to me is it just completely blows me away is this guy was seriously a struggling third baseman the summer of last year uh, and at the trade deadline of last year and was a guy that I was so passionate about. Look, you got to cut ties with some of these guys who you think could be something but aren't maybe necessarily right now and you got to go get Mike Clevenger cuz he is the the hot, you know, starting pitcher that is going to help the Braves win a World Series and then if that move had happened, like Mike Clevenger goes down with Tommy mm-hmm. John at you know, during the playoffs or right there at the start of the playoffs yeah. with the Padres. Yep. And it's like the the thought 
that Austin Riley could be, you know, on a different team right now and also the Braves not have the starting pitching after already having depth issues. It's just so much of just... It's it's why I don't get paid to make those kinds of decisions, <laughs> and Alex Anthopoulos does. Uh, and you know, I, I, and I'm sorry for some people that might be listening that think this is a love fest of Alex Anthopoulos, but it's just you gotta give credit where credit is due. Uh, and to see what to see what Austin Riley has done this year, um, yeah, I think his his he's top ten batting average, and and clearly going to hit thirty home runs this year. Um, yeah. I mean, forty is not unrealistic. He 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 has that aura now about him. Where like when he comes to the plate now, I think that we all expect something good to happen, and he expects something good to happen out of himself. Uh, which is, I think, the probably the biggest change and the biggest positive change for him. Because there were times when he, you know, when after he had that initial hot streak when he came up as a rookie, um, you know, there were there were times where you could just see it that you could see that he was just not confident and didn't really know Mm -hmm. it was coming and looked lost up there at the plate. But um, man, his emergence just makes me so optimistic about this, the future of this Braves team, because you have him under team control for several years. You've got Acuna and Ozzy Albies locked down. You're hopefully knock on wood, going to get Freddie Freeman, his contract extension and get him back. I mean, that is a top four in the order alone in and of itself. That is fantastic like you've got three guys now if we're talking about Austin Riley who could like be an MVP kind of contender outside like let's say you know top 15 player in the National League I mean to have like three of those types of guys in your top four is uh very impressive that's not even including Danzy Swanson who he could hit 30 homers this year um you got Travis Darno who won the silver slugger in 2020 Granted, it was a shorter season, but um, and injury caveats and all that. There's yeah. just so much potential for this team offensively to really get back to what they were in 2019 and 2020, but mostly in 2019 as this team that was going to hammer you with the bats and the pitching is developing. You know, you've got Max Fried, who's now a bona fide ace. You've got Charlie Morton, who's come in, and he, the Braves could extend Charlie Morton for another year as well. Um, Waskar, you know, just like so many. Uh, green shoots here for the Braves that are really, really exciting when you think about what this team could do. Like when you think about the championship window, to me, this team could win a World Series anytime between, you know, this year, maybe, maybe, maybe not this year, but this year and like what, four, five years down the line. I think that they have a very wide championship window when you look at this kind of core roster they've constructed. Yeah. You, well, you talk about this year and those chances. Um, it would, it'd be so typical of, an Atlanta team to like win a championship without ideal with like realistically their best player like that just yeah, that'd, be know, such right. a, that'd be such an Atlanta thing to do um I'll take it I'll take it any way it comes <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. care but it's just it's one of those things uh the reason why I brought up the the Austin Riley uh the the prospect of him winning a, a National League MVP is he would if if that were to happen if he if he continues or plays even better down this last stretch of the season he would join uh, this was such a mind-boggling side i saw this week he would join a list of braves third basements to win the mvp and not make the all-star team in that same season chipper jones and terry pendleton when they both won their mvps they did not make the all-star team that same year and i i was just one of those like that's a great stat right i was like that's destiny yeah, that was I was kind of like I mean, 
there's a long way to go. Uh, and I think there's some currently more deserving names above him, but it's just it was interesting nonetheless. Um, I want to get into a little bit of. Or, go ahead, sorry. Well, I, you know something just struck me. It's gonna be a callback to the beginning of the episode, but talking about like the clubhouse leadership and stuff, I see like Austin Riley is the perfect example of a, the kind of guy who can really kind of help bring the locker room together too, because like he played with Ron Lacuna Jr. all through the minor leagues. Um, you know, that's the, that's the thing that the Braves have going for him. I know that, um, you know, some people are not thrilled with the fact that Alex Anthopoulos hasn't really made a blockbuster trade where he trades away yeah. these big prospects and everything. But the counter to that is, is that when you get these guys to the major league level, they all have such a camaraderie from having like gone through it all in the minors I think that really helps a team like this, especially when you lose a guy like Acuna. You know, you still have that kind of those 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 social building blocks, at least in the clubhouse, that kind of keeps you from having these kind of major pitfalls like we've seen the the bottom kind of fall out of the Mets this year. And team relationship matters. Yeah. Calling to the beginning of the episode, the New York Mets, who made the big splashes <laughs> for big names and aren't necessarily working out. Um, the Braves, it's our... Brian Snicker did something last night that surprised me um, when he made a little change up in the in center field, uh, having Adam Duvall start. And uh, the, the one name we haven't brought up, Eddie Rosario, yeah. has has come in and essentially locked up left field like he just <laughs> he just came, joined the team and Snit was like, yep, you're out there. Um, it was that just a a kind of giving Jock a night off sort of deal, or do you think Snit is looking at maybe making some changes uh, and moving around? Uh, what's going to happen in the outfield? You know, it didn't seem to me like he was adamant about Rosario being an everyday player uh, when when he spoke about him after the game on Sunday, the win over the Giants, where he had a big RBI, uh, he had a two run triple, I think, late in mm-hmm. that game. Um, you know, Snit said, you know, oh, I thought it would be a good opportunity to get him a start. You know, so that that kind of phrasing to me makes it sound like he's not a guy who's going to be a regular starter. But I certainly think that this outfield, there's so much. Um, versatility in this outfield with guys who can play multiple positions. I think that, you know, Brian Snicker obviously will use these guys in different roles on, on given nights. I know that he is very high on Adam Duvall's defense and he is a genuinely underrated defender. Like he, yep. and, and just an underrated athlete in general, I feel like, cause he's kind of just known for being like a slugger. Um, but he really is good in the outfield. He's just a very skilled player uh, defensively, especially. So um, I think that he does have the skills to play out there when needed. And I think that the Brian Sinker will just try to field, you know, his best guys on a given night, but try to rotate guys through so that they can all stay fresh. But, you know, you obviously can't pull Jorge Soler out of the lineup yeah. anytime soon with the way he's hitting. Well, I think that was my thought is I just, I wondered about, um, <laughs> it's one of those unfortunate, like this is all, honestly, this is the unfortunate side of, the National League not having the designated hitter is because yep. this would be the perfect opportunity, and probably this is a little bit foresight uh, for next season, maybe uh, that Alex Anthopoulos is doing. Uh, of like Jorge Soler, just seems like he could have slid in right now into that designated hitter role, and the Braves would just keep chugging along. Uh, but because he is hitting so well, and you have to have him out there, then you do awkward things like bench technically bench jock peterson uh mm-hmm. in favor of adam duvall who yeah you talk about underrated defense i mean there were 
multiple games a season ago that I think the Braves won due to Adam Duvall's arm out in left field and, and his ability to, um, you know, to, to steal some outs, essentially, uh, throwing guys out at the plate kind of deal. Uh, I'd like to know, in your opinion, though, with, with, with all the moves that can be made in the outfield, is Eddie Rosario, is he the, the piece that can be moved in and out, or do you think um, it's someone else? Yeah, I think he will be the guy who kind of comes in and out of the lineup probably the most and probably starts the fewest amount of games of okay. these outfielders that we've been talking about. Um, you know, I think with Jock last night, it, it may have been more down to like just like the fact that there was a lefty starter last yeah. night. So maybe, you know, I, I know that they haven't necessarily been as kind of platoonish with him as the Dodgers were in the past. But, you know, it is what it is. So maybe that was one of the reasons. Um, but I, I don't I, just the way that Snicker talks about Rosario gives me the feeling that he's not, he's going to be a guy who's just a, a, a really good bench option, a guy that you can rotate into games when you need to in certain situations. Um, but I don't get the impression that he's going to be a guy who gets a ton of starts. But you never know. Like, that's the beauty of this Braves lineup, right? Or the, just kind of this this um, amalgamation of Braves outfielders they have is that if one of them just gets a hot hand, you can just ride that thing, you know? Similar to what Jorge Soler is doing. But <laughs> right now, uh, Adam Duvall also just hitting the ball out of the park like crazy. So, um, you know, given what you have in the infield as well with all these established veterans who are all just slugging the ball like crazy, that's like the Braves could have... There's a chance that all, all every single infielder from from third base to first base could have uh, 30 home runs this year. So when you're getting that, it's like anything you get in the outfield is pretty much gravy. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think the Braves are they like what they have, considering all the things that have gone against them. The fact that they have zero of their initial their starting outfielders <laughs> on opening day, yeah. uh, you 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 got to be pretty pleased with what you're getting out of those guys right now. Well, the Braves will continue tonight out in L.A. Those lovely late games that don't start till 10 o'clock at night oh boy it's um, uh yeah sleep <laughs> schedule's all messed up now yeah that's what i when i when i looked this week and this is another pulling the curtain uh and, and showing kind of people behind the scenes uh when i looked at the schedule this week of of who was was getting those away games in la and i didn't see my name i did not exactly <laughs> uh I, I wasn't too upset about that I mean, um I am a night owl, but still, even 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 being a night owl, that that is pretty late when those games are ending at like one a.m. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, tonight, the Braves get to face uh, Mr. Tight Pants, uh, Walker Bueller, uh, <laughs> and we'll send out Charlie Morton. Um, and I mean, Charlie is still, in my opinion, has just been consistent uh, and valuable piece that he was kind of brought in to be. Uh, are you, I guess are you concerned at, like, is there anything that could happen in this Dodgers series that wins or losses wise that would concern you or overly excite you at this point? No, actually, I was just going to say, you know, I, the Braves could very well lose, you know, they could get swept in this series. They could lose these next two games and it just depends on how it happens. You know, like if they yeah. get blown out or something or they give up, you know, there's a couple blown saves then things could get concerning, but it's kind of, I feel like this series is kind of like how that Yankees series where it's like you played two games against the Yankees, both high competitive games. They felt like playoff games and you just came up on the wrong end of both of them. And I feel like that could very well happen with a team like the Dodgers. You know, they're just a very good team. And if you lose to Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer in these next two games, then, you know, that's, that can happen. But I'm more so than anything, just excited to see these two games because to me, these it was obviously it was very fun to see the Braves winning 
have that great winning streak where they're essentially beating up on pretty bad teams during that stretch. It's now it's like it feels different. It feels like playoff, more playoff type atmosphere. Yeah. And that's really fun to watch just as a fan. Um, so I'm just excited to watch these games and see how they match up and see how the, you know, just see the upped level of competition. And especially these these series that they've had against the Giants and Dodgers. I mean, these are potentially playoff previews, you know, like the Yankees, obviously they're in the AL. So um, these are essentially uh, our teams that you could possibly see later on in the postseason. So it makes it really exciting for that respect. And that's just what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? Oh, no, I think we can get out. I'm just uh, really excited. You know, I would just say pay attention. I think the Phillies probably will close this gap a little bit because the Braves schedule is so difficult on this West Coast road trip. You know, they got the Colorado Rockies after this and you might not look, you know, you might see the Colorado Rockies, see that they're 10 Fourth, games or 11 yeah. games under 500. They've got the second best road or home record in baseball. So it is not easy at all to, to go into Coors Field and win. So um, the Braves could slip a little bit and, you know, the, the, the Phillies could catch up. But I still think that if you're anything close to 500 over this series between the combining the Giants, the Dodgers and the Rockies, then you're pretty much shooting par right as to the field. And, you know, the Braves will have easier games uh, after this road trip to return and make up those games. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week to batter up for Joe Patrick. I'm Caleb Johnson. Have a great week. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.